Death to false magic. Sound the death tone. The 80s glam metal cast is back again. And if you ain't into this episode, man, you are not my friend. I'm Metal Mike, and I'm joined by my buddy Greg, and we rank the Manowar studio albums. We talk all kinds of Manowar stuff. You gotta check this out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, man. Whips and posers leave the pod. Greg, welcome to the 80s Glam Battle Cast, man. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Actually, before we jump in, why don't you give, uh, since we're deep into football season, give your podcast a plug, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, the first and 10 NFL-NY Jets podcast. Yeah. We do it twice a week. We do it twice a week, Saturdays, and then post-game after a win or a loss. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. We're having a good time, and I do it with all you metalheads out there. If you're familiar with the band Hostile Rage, I do it with my partner, Kevin, who's the lead singer for that band. So it's pretty cool. Awesome, brother. Awesome. So, tonight, this I've been wanting to do this for so long, man. Man of War, album ranking, man. You know, I thought you'd be the perfect guy because, like, me and you, we're like those true metal brothers. We're always waving the Man of War flag. Not everybody is with us, man, but, but we're always out there praising Man of War. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I mean, they have... It's weird because... They have this strong fan base, but I find lately people don't want to admit to it, so they'll say, oh, their lyrics are corny or yeah. they're, they're cheesy. There's a lot of wimps out there. Yeah, they're too much. You know what? Whatever they are, to me, it's good music, and I like it, so I'm a fan. I don't care what other everyone else thinks. I'm a Man of War fan. Yeah, and you know, speaking about being a fan, it wasn't easy to be a fan of Man of Wars back in the day, and it really didn't have much to do with anything other than that there, there was no information about them. You know what I mean? Like, I just remember, like, they weren't covered in magazines, they weren't on the radio, they weren't on MTV, so it was like you would just be random sh- shuffling through a, 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 you know, a record rack and you'd find a Man of War album. You know what I mean? Like, this is just how it went with these guys. Yeah, you know, Mike, you're 100% right. I think my first encounter with Manowar, I was a freshman in high school, so if I'm born in 69, you figure what, 81, 82 if my mm-hmm. math's right, and some seniors who were in a band were wearing their Manowar jacket, they had their denim jackets with the battle hymns painted on it and whatever, and I'm like, whoa, who is this band? And because I had long hair, that even though I was a freshman, everyone knew each other, so they introduced me to battle hymns, and for me at that age, it wasn't cheesy. It was just wow, swords and shields and sex and violence. It was just everything as a young kid I wanted. Now, if you're probably trying to get into this band now, yeah, it might be corny and aged and dated, but at the time when this was breaking in 82, this was it for me. This was excellent stuff, so... 
that's why I'm a fan and I stay a fan today. I became a fan a little bit later, probably around Fighting the World. I just bought it because I thought the cover looked cool. <laughs> you know, the rest uh -huh. was history. I kind of went back and discovered a lot of the other stuff. I live very close to where these guys live. So I'm about an hour and a half from Auburn, New York. That is where okay. uh, Joey and Eric live today. That is the headquarters for Manowar. So I definitely okay. um, am the same neck of the woods as these guys. And one funny thing, man, I want to say it was last year I interviewed Anders Johansson. And at that moment, he was still in Manowar. Now, strangely enough... Per his contract, he wasn't allowed to talk about Manowar. So it just shows you kind of what it's like to be a member of Manowar in the current days. But uh, he told me, he's like, you know, he goes, he asked me, he goes, where, where are you from? And I told him upstate New York. And he's like, you have the same exact dialect as uh, Joey and Eric. And I'm like, well, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm right in the same area as those guys. So I thought that was funny when he said that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, right. 1980, the three of them started to form this band and who knew it would become what it's become, right? I never would have believed if you told me back in the you know the 80s of how big they'd become overseas. The thing is, the music is so heavy and it's so unique and European in influence that uh, we've just always had a stronger following in Europe. It's really big. I mean, we all, all us fans who watch this stuff on YouTube, man, they play some big halls and you know auditoriums yeah. and stuff overseas. So, like I said, when they play in America. They have to play a club, or sometimes they don't play in America at all. But when you see them overseas, man, they do big festivals, big shows. So, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I might have the, the, the years off, couple of years, whatever. They haven't played in the States since 2014. That that could be. I'm, I'm not exactly yeah. sure. Yeah, you might be right. But I thought they were supposed to do something more recently. And I, that's why I went back and I looked and I thought I saw, t real quick, I thought I saw 2014 was the last time they played here in the States, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. You're right. If they come here, where are they playing? They're not, I don't know. I, it, it's terrible, but I understand what you're saying. They're, they're huge overseas, man. They really are. And one cool thing for me right now that I can say, at least with Manowar, I, I got to admit, some of these EPs and single songs, they're not really blowing me away. But the thing that's blowing me away is that Michael Angelo Batillo from Nitro is now in Manowar. I like that, though. That, that I like that, man. Oh, wow. See, I didn't know that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep, he's going to be touring with them uh, next year, so I'm excited about that. Wow, cool, excellent, wow. Well, dude, yeah. jump right in, man. Tell me what is your 11, your least favorite Manowar album. All right, so I'm going with the album that was released in 2007, Gods of War. Mm. To me, Mike, this has maybe five or six good songs. It's a little too long for me. It's over 77 minutes of music. To me, it's just got a ton of fluff. It's, yep. it, it doesn't hold me. Like, you get into a song, you hear a song, it's really good, and then you got these cheesy fluff pieces to me and mm -hmm. a lot of nonsense. Let me ask you something, Mike, because I, I couldn't find anything on this album other than what they said the release date. Was this supposed to be a concept album? Was this the intentions of being a concept album? Do you know? Yes, this is supposed to be a concept album that is dedicated to Odin. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it fell short big time. I'm sorry. It really did for me. So that's why it's my number 11. Now, what was weird is when you and I first talked, like I, 
I'll be honest, I took a, a screenshot of their catalog, right? And I just, I went through and I jammed out a bunch of numbers and I did it fast. And I was like, I feel good about this. Last night, I pieced this together again. And honestly, I did some switches. I actually switched up my least favorite. And okay. I'm shocked that Lord of Steel is not my least favorite. But dude, I got Gods of War right where you got it. I got it at 11. And the only thing that I could say about Gods of War I actually I agree with everything that you said, but one of the main things about Gods of War for me is like it kind of reminds me of Rocky Five. Okay, <laughs> I like to use the Rocky Five. Right? Okay. So like, if somebody told you, Greg, like, like, say you didn't see Rocky Five, and somebody just said to you, "Hey, man, we got this idea for this next Rocky. Rocky's gonna lose all his money. He's gonna go back on the streets. He's gonna manage." You'd be like, eh, "That doesn't sound bad," you know. And I feel like. But but as we know, Rocky Five was just poorly executed. It's it's a bad movie in in the franchise, and I feel like this is what Gods of War is. If, if somebody, you know, when I was reading about it, oh my god, Man of War doing a concept album? Yeah, they should have did one a long time ago. Oh, it's about Odin and all that warrior stuff. Yeah, you know, and then you get it, and it's just like it, like you said, it just falls short. It's got all this fluff stuff, talking. You know, maybe there's three, four songs that are actually decent, and even those are kind of like. We're treading down the same path with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. It sounds very similar to a lot of the stuff that's on um, Warriors of the World, I think. But, you know, mm-hmm. Loki is probably my favorite one. Uh, God of Fire, Loki. I think that's probably the coolest yeah, song yeah, on, yeah, on the yeah, album. Slapania, uh, Slapania, yep. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mean to interrupt my... I just felt like with this record, like I, I heard it again recently to refresh my memory and where I wanted to put it in this countdown... And I felt like if they would have did what they did with their earlier albums where they only had like six or seven tracks yep. and took the best six from this album, if you could find six, I happen to find <laughs> six, I think it would have been incredible. Yeah. I think it would have been incredible. Yeah, and I agree with you. And you're going to find out tonight, that's a theme with me as we go through the rest. You'll be hearing me saying that a lot. Well, if they would have done this, and, yeah. and, and all in my opinion, of course, but anyway... If you're ready, I'm sorry. Let me tell you. So, talk more about your 11th, your, your Gods of War choice. No, man, I'm glad. I'm pretty much done with it. But uh, I feel like <laughs> we're starting to get the vibe that they've run out of ideas with this one, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost positive that this is drum machines. We're not hearing Scott Columbus on this one very much. Because that's some stuff. If you read deep into some of his um, leaving the band and not being very engaged with the band, he kind of alludes to a lot of technology and stuff kind of coming in. So... I believe that this is a drum machine, and it's okay. like I said, it's not. It's kind of sterile. It's not in your face like the old school Man of War. So it's a, it's a little bit too predictable. So yeah, that's that's all I can say about it. Yeah, you know what, Mike? You might have hit it right on the head when you say running out of ideas because if you look at their last three releases, it was over a ten year span. Right, Warriors of the World, two o two, Gods of War, which we're just talking about, two o seven. And then Lords of Steel, 212. I mean, three albums in 10 years for a band who was in the beginning, you know, one after another those yep. first few years, you yep. know? Yeah, man, 100%. Are you ready for my 10? I'm ready, brother. All right, before I tell you, Mike, I think here's where the metal elite, the Man of War allegiance like you and I might want to throw me off the, the, the ship. <laughs> my 10, this, this might shock you.
is into the glory into glory ride 1983. Wow. wow, I thought you loved that album. I, oh, I got to hear this. Yeah. I'm I'm shocked. Yeah, I told you. I I think a couple of my choices would would shock me, and I and just, I I think it's because I got into them from Battle Hymn, and for me that's such a great record. Mm. I found this one a little too, in my opinion, my a little too doomy for me. And I yeah. don't get me wrong. I love the first four tracks, but I'm not a fan of Hatred. I'm not a yeah. fan of, of Gates of Valhalla. I like the rest. I think what kept this album, again, this is going to sound cheesy, 1983, I was 14. I felt like I was doing something dirty when I put that record on <laughs> and you got that intro to the war award. You know, yeah. that's in my mind, and I thought this album was a lot better. But then hearing other Manowar stuff, and over the years, this album just just doesn't do it for me. And yeah, I know a lot of the Manowar faithful are gonna probably tell me to get out of the hall. But yeah, <laughs> this is my and into the glory ride, into glory ride, dude. I, I, I'm shocked. I, I, I kind of know where you're coming from, though. It is. It is a little bit different than their other stuff. It is kind of like that doom metal, a lot of slow paced stuff. Um, yeah. It's not like you know real catchy like some of their stuff. It, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but uh, I got that one rated a little higher than that. <laughs> and you know what, Mike? I'm sure a lot of fans do. Like I said, I'm more, I guess, of this odd duck when it comes to my choices and what I like. But let's see if I. I I tricked you some more or you're shocked with some of my other picks. Nice. So like I said before, I was shocked that I didn't have Lord of Steel at the I actually did have Lord of Steel at the bottom and then I then I once I really like you so when I started analyzing Gods of War, I was like, ooh, no, this is the worst. But uh yeah, I got Lord of Steel at ten and, and let me start with the good. Because there's I don't think there's very much good about this album. Uh, we got Donnie Hamzik back, which he's actually playing, and it's some pretty interesting drums. It's not a drum machine, so that's cool. I feel like they've got yep. the riffs kind of came back because for for like Gods of War and, and even for Warriors of the World, Warriors of the World, it's a lot of chugging, you know, just like not not really any riffs, and not every song is about warrior stuff, you know. Like I, that's what I always liked about the old Man of War albums. You start off and you got songs about rock and roll and songs about going to back to Vietnam. And all, you know, I, I thought that was cool. And then maybe the you know the later three, four songs were all about the warrior stuff. So I always liked that about Manowar. It was a mix. They sang songs about themselves and about metal and about all this other stuff. But then when we got to this later stuff, now everything's about warriors and stuff. And when, I get it. It's Manowar, but... You go back to these early ones like we're going to. Not every song is about warrior stuff. I do like yeah. some of the songs. I think Born in a Grave is a cool song. I love Touch the Sky. Wicked catchy song. Righteous Glory. Yeah. It's the only song where Eric Adams really sounds great like himself. All right, let me just jump to the bad. The bass and the guitar tones suck. Especially the bass. Yeah. What the hell? What the hell, right? Eric Adams on this one, man, he's phoning it in. I don't know if the songs are in the right key. I don't know what's going on, but I don't hear that fire, that passion in his voice. Manowar has always had moments of super lame juvenile lyrics. But this song takes yeah. the cake, man. A lot of lame like rhyme patterns. Like I was writing down this one because I, I copied it like from, from online. It was like, I think it's in Lords of Steel. In the nights, we take flights. Witness the sights. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just lazy writing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so then when I get to the song Man of Warriors, 
Like, cause I want to uh-huh. like that, but I feel like like when when people who hate Manowar, I feel like this is what they hear, cause that song is just like super cheesy and it just doesn't work. So yeah, man, I, I this album has got a lot of bad to it. Now, Mike, let me ask you a question about this album. It, it's two, it's 2012 when this is released. If this was released in 92 or 82, would it have ranked higher for you? No. No way. Okay. Because when I went back, because like kind of what you did, I kind of just made sure my ranking was right, and I went back and I was just popping these all back to back. Dude, at least for me, like I said, I'm just like you said, you you had a, a viewpoint on Into Glory Ride. This one, I just feel like the quality has fallen right off. You know what I mean? It just we're it just feels like phoning it in. And you know what was really sad, man? I gotta tell you, 2012, right? This came out and Kiss Monster, and I thought both of them pretty much sucked. And that was a big. I was bummed, man. I was bummed that year. I understand. What do you got for night? Again, this might shock you, but who knows? I got the 2002 release, Warriors of the World. Okay. Yeah, no, that's... I can understand that. Now, this was another album to me, just like on Gods of War. A lot of good songs. I shouldn't say a lot. Let me be. Again, five or six really strong songs, and then just a lot of nonsense. Just a lot of nonsense. If we would have done this 10 years ago, Mike, 20 years ago... This might have been a higher release for me mm-hmm. because, and I'm going to be honest with you, even though we, I chose it as nine, back in the day when this came out, because of the times, it came out eight months after 9-11, these songs just made me like feel like we're rallying the country, we're yes. rallying everyone to fight the one common en- enemy that we had back then. Yep. I mean, it was eight months after 9-11. So when you hear, you know, when you hear him, you know, in, uh, where the eagles fly, like that line, you just want to, you know, I hate to say it, pick up a gun and go to war. You're right. ready to fight. And yes. Listen to the war, where the eagles fly. I will soon be there. If you want to come along with me, my friend, say the word and you'll be free from the mountains to the sea. We'll fight for freedom again. This album to me just embodied what was going on in the country and in the United States at yeah, that time. I agree. In saying all this, Mike, Again, five or six good songs. Uh, how many songs are on here? Twelve, I think. Five or six crappy songs. So yeah, I, I put it at number nine for me. It was number nine. You know, and what was uh? I've got this rated higher, and I'll get into it after. But the thing that let me down really big time with this album is how did Manowar not have a track about killing terrorists? Yeah, <laughs> come on, jeez, yeah, what a missed opportunity. You, you know, Mike, I, I got to tell you, because when you asked me uh, if I was interested in doing this with you and I was so pumped to do it, I'm not going to lie. I went back to listen to things to see if I still remember them the way they were. And the track that I didn't like back then, but it grew on me, is um, I, I, I'm not even going to bother to say because I'm going to bother shit up. But Eric, Al- Eric Adams singing in Italian, yeah. just to me, was just so impressive. Like, you could actually you you realize what a great singer this yeah. man is, at least in my opinion. You know, oh. you hear the power in his voice when you hear him sing that 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 piece, dude. Yeah, we we'll, we definitely need to talk about Eric Adams for a second because for me, 
there is no Manowar without Eric Adams. I know Joey's behind the band. I know it. But I'm telling you right now, when you hear, if you heard any other band sing Wimps and Posers Leave the Hall, and if it didn't yeah. wasn't done with that awesome voice, it would be a total it'd be a total joke. But with that voice on it, man, he sells Manowar. Manowar would be nothing without him. I'm, I'm and that's why yeah, he's I there. Never, you know. No, I agree with you. I agree. Let Let me ask you something, Mike. I mean, you you seem to be a little more in tune to the band than I am, and I listen to and I know you do too. That's not. I listen to so much music like you. I have. Has Eric Adams? done anything solo on his own and i just don't know about it that's a great question uh so i've had a couple of different guys from manowar on the podcast i've had ross the boss i've had david shankel and i had rhino i had all those three guys on and i asked ross about this i was like man does eric adams write songs and lyrics and stuff and he's like no he doesn't because i was like i want to know what this guy's real musical vision is you know what i mean that was the cool thing i think when vince neal went solo because not that he's straight away but i never knew what vince neal's musical vision was right i knew what nikki six nikki six's musical vision was but i didn't know what vince neal was about and vince neal did expose and whether he wrote much of that stuff i don't know his name's on there but at least i kind of know what Vince, who he was, and he pretty much was Motley Crue. But I, yeah, I was always curious of that. I would, I would love to hear Eric Adams do something more like a foreigner type of thing because I think his voice would fit something like. I'd love to hear him do something that's rock, but maybe not metal, and just see how it comes across. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I, I mean, I always thought he had this great, fantastic voice, and I was just wondering if he did anything outside of Manowar. But if you say he doesn't write lyrics. Which is shocking that you're in a band for over 40 years and you didn't get the writing bug. You know? I, some people just don't have it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a head scratcher. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. All right, number nine. This is an album that I felt did me wrong when it came out. I, it's grown on me, but I had to put Louder Than Hell here, man, because I love Triumph of Steel. Uh, it's one of my favorites by Manowar. So that just tells you that it's going to be up there high. Louder Than Hell was, was a big disappointment because, you know, what it was was it was a back-to-basics uh, kind of a sound. You know, if you look at the tracks like um, Death Tone and... Uh, metal days it's kind of on par with some of that stuff you know what i mean okay. and it, it's kind of like simplified like that rock man of war type stuff and you've got a couple bangers that are fast like you got the um the power and you've got outlaw but um this is where i feel like we say goodbye to riffs and we're, and we're more chugging and you know this, okay. I, I feel like this is the time where the sound really changed for me it was a real drop off but there are some cool songs, man. Brothers of Metal, I think, is a great... Like I said, they're stupid, but they're fun. You know, Brothers of Metal, God's Made Heavy Metal. Courage is very much like what you were talking about with Fight for Freedom. You know, if you watch mm -hmm. videos online um, of this song, you'll see people put patriotic stuff to this song. And one thing I've got to put out there, and we don't need to really... I don't really want to talk about it much, but, you know, this is the first album with Carl Logan. And I think with Carl okay. Logan, man... I, he really has tarnished the Man of War legacy in a lot of ways with what what he's done, you know. And, yes. and it sucks. I know it's no fault of the band members, but this guy's on so much stuff. 
He's on a, all these later albums. He's on tons of videos, and it's like you know what I'm trying. You know where I'm going with this, right? Like, he, like it's hard because he's tarnished their legacy in a lot of ways. I hear you. I, sometimes I even don't even like to post anything that yes. he was involved with. Me too. I don't know what the backlash is going to be. Right. And, and I could understand somebody having backlash because it's pretty messed up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's just it's it's tough. And I'm sure the band struggles with this too. I'm sure they struggle with it. Yeah, yeah. Especially going on tour, you want to play a lot of these key songs because the fans love them. But right. you hit somebody's going to be rubbed the wrong way, or some critic is going to bash him for it. So yeah. You know, yeah, I, I hear you 100%, Mike, on yeah. that one. I hear you 100%. That's tough. Man, what do you got for eight? I have what I believe you had at nine, I think it was, or ten. I have Lords of Steel. Okay. Are you shocked? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you rated it this high. Well, what are your thoughts on Lord of Steel? I got to tell you, it's funny, like, we're both Man of War fans, but we hear things differently. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're not diehard fans. We have different ears. I think, and, and, and I think you said you thought uh, Man of Waters was somewhat corny. I thought any one of those first three songs could have been on Kings of Metal or really? Fighting the World or even Louder Than Hell. Mm-hmm. I really dig those songs. I think Touch the Sky is awesome. Yeah. I do like, I do like, I'm going to shock you here because they're probably the cheesiest two on the album and I like them a lot I like Expendable and I love El Gringo <laughs> did you know it was from the movie yeah. did you know it was- yeah yeah I'm laughing. Like, like I said I'm not your typical you know like I, people come people like bands but they don't like the deep cuts mm-hmm. that's where you know who the diehard fans right. like if you get someone responding to this when you put it up and say oh I agree I like great Gringo and then you know that they like the deep cut. That's what you want. You want that those deep cuts to shine. And on this album, I do. I also look at it this way, Mike. I try not to compare one album to the next to the next because if you do that, you the latter stuff is never probably going to live up no. to the earliest. So no. Try to just do it individually. I like, like I said, I like six tracks off here, which is like sixty percent of the album. But anyway, yeah, that's my number eight, Lords of Steel. All right, man. Came out in, well, the last of the studio albums. I, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. You gringo, I forgive you, you gringo. <laughs> Mike, what do you think? Into Glory Ride 10? You know, Damn. Lords of Steel. Are you going to get hate mail because of me? You do. You're going to get. Can't, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't think the Manowar fans are going to cancel you or anything. But you know, you'll be you'll be all right. You make it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so number eight, and and some people may be shocked that I've got this album at eight. But I got to explain. I actually had this one even lower at first, but then I realized I was kind of hating on the lack of songs, and I was kind of hating on the production. This is where I throw hell to England. It's just got terrible production. It sounds like shit. You know what I mean? It, that's the problem with like the early, early Man of War is that like they're so good. They're so talented, but they just don't sound good because they just are on shitty record labels. We've had the hard time finding the right record company. People have tried to keep us down in this business, and a lot of the fans know that. A lot of the fans don't. People tried to keep us out, but they couldn't do it. Managers, agents, record Nothing companies. can stop Manowar. Nothing or nobody. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of factors. 
I always thought this felt like an EP, like this. Like you said, you know how like maybe Manowar can only write six songs and then like it's either they do a six song album or a seven song album or they put a bunch of fluff in there. Like that's that's kind of the trend yeah. with Manowar. Uh, but this feels like an EP, but it's got some of their coolest songs, man. Blood of My Enemies, Kill With Power is one of their coolest tracks. It's a great track to do live. It shows off Eric Adams' scream. I love uh, Army of Immortals. I think that's a killer, killer song. And you know how you talked about like you felt you were doing something bad when you listened to Warlord? I feel like uh-huh. I'm going to open a portal of hell when I listen to uh, Bridge of Death, man. Bridge of Death is one of the creepiest songs, and it's like it's so evil when they're talking about a lot of this stuff about the devil. So, like, so I try not to really even listen to that song because it's just so dark and creepy. But well done being dark and creepy for heavy metal. That's all I got to say. All right, so my number seven, correct? Yes. All right. So here we go. 1996 is louder than hell. Yeah. And what you said that you somewhat disliked, I loved. And I wrote it down <laughs> in my notes. I felt like the band went back to the basics. Yeah. We went back 10 songs, under 50 minutes, just regular Man of War songs, like with the lyrics like me that I love, like Return of the Warlord. How could you not like... That bike out on the yard, that's my wife. <laughs> I punched my teacher out, now he's chill. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what? Those, those lines to me are just great. This is a, a 10 song album. I like 7 out of the 10, and that's why it ranks at number 7 for me. Again, I felt like songs, and I know you said you like coverage. I'm not a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. And if you take, but I would keep it on here. If you took off, in my opinion, Today is a good day to die, and may spirit live. Up, my spirit lives on. You got again eight great songs. Yeah. I think if the band could have cut out some of this fluff, or maybe they were forced to make it ten songs. I don't know how uh-huh. it worked. These albums could have been all number one, or really like a head scratch. It's a pick number one because when they hit Mike to me, they hit, and when the songs were bad, they were just. Not even yeah. listenable, in my opinion. But anyway, number seven was the 1996 release, Louder Than Hell for me. All right, number seven, I got Warriors of the World. So I rated this a little higher than you did. Uh, for me, this was cool because this was a return of Manowar for many years. Because, like I said, what we talked about, man, 1996 was Louder Than Hell. That was a long-ass stretch, man. Six years. Yeah that you had to wait to get this album. And I actually dig the production, too. It's kind of modernized. It almost sounds like a modern metal album. The drums especially. There's there's something going on there. The production doesn't sound like typical Manowar uh, production. And I think Scott Columbus is great on this one. I think Eric Adams sounds killer. And this is where I feel like they really integrated the or, or played up on the catchy warrior metal. You know, like something like Call to Arms, I always feel is so catchy, but like it's lyrically all about like, you know, lobbing somebody's head off. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's all about war, killing somebody, but it's it's catchy. You'll sing it. Swords in the Wind. I always like that song cuz it's like really like laid back and it's got a cool mood and then it just hits you like really hard. I think Warriors of the uh-huh. World is a great, you know, that's one of their great live tracks that they can do. It's a sing-along song. So I thought that was a super great tune. And I really, okay, so you, you talked about some of these cheesy moments that you like, and this is one that I like. I think American Trilogy, man, is kind of cool. When, when when Eric Adams, like once again, he could sing the phone book, and I'd probably think it sounds good, but when he sings, You know your daddy's bound to die. 
like to me like I was like oh my god that's, that's a, like being a father you know what I mean like I you could play that at my funeral that would be cool you know what I mean but like I I like that you know it's cool but you're right it's very bloated there's some a lot of extra shit instrumental type stuff that doesn't need to be there but um, yeah that's where I got it well we we differ but it's not like we're so different we're like my number 10 is your number like two like we're pretty close in the realm we're one off with each other in a sense yeah we know i can tell all the old this is all going to be old school shit all the way in now so now my number six is the 1984 release hail to england england now mike when i first put my list together it was this is shocking i had it at nine okay what i did this what I did this morning, and I knew we were going to do this, I went back and I put it on, and I was like, you know what, Greg? No way. Mm-hmm. No yep. way. Yep. I moved it up, not as high as maybe other folks have it. I have it at six, okay? For me, it's the third release, and I feel like, in my opinion, this is where now, especially after Into Glory Ride, now the band has found their voice. We're going to see a stretch of songs in this style for the next six or five or six albums. Mm-hmm. I think, the, and again, where we differ, I like the first five tracks, six and seven. I know you mentioned Bridge of Death. Track six and seven do nothing for me. Gotcha. I'm just wondering if, because this that year, 84, they released two albums, mm. if we would have took the best from both those yes. albums and just did one, if that would have been top-notch, man, like if that could have been the number one overall. Yep. We'll never know. Anyway, for me, Mike, it, 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 it's 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 um hell to England at number six. Cool. So for number six, I got 1984's "Sign of the Hammer," and what I want to say about "Sign of the Hammer." So, like back to what I was telling you, I bought I bought "Fighting the World," and then it was weird. I probably didn't buy "Fighting the World" until like '88, and then okay. probably weeks later. You know, I just felt like Kings of Metal was out, and then I bought that. But then what I would do, Greg, is I'd go to music stores. I'd, I'd, I'd peruse through the old uh, used albums and the used tapes and stuff. And I just remember distinctly finding Sign of the Hammer. I'm like, here it is. It's like a friggin' tree with a Manowar logo on it, right? A wet tree. And I'm like, what the hell is this? How, how, how do I keep finding albums from this, this band? Dude, I had no idea that they had a back catalog. I, maybe I thought they did, but I didn't know what it consisted of. So like I said, I'd always just find these random albums. And I just remember like, I'd get the album and I'd have no idea what it was going to sound like. And I'd bring it home and I, I'd rock out on it, man. And I'd always probably love it. Like I always love everything that they did for the most part. And um, this is another one though. I feel it kind of has crappy production. Again, I feel like this, and it's weird because Virgin Records is like some shit label, but I don't, I don't think the production's on par, but the songs are super cool. And man, I love the cheesy ones too. I'm never going to say, so. like I said, just because I didn't like some of the Lord of Steel stuff, I love the song All Men Play on 10. Dude, it's the stupidest, corniest song, but I love it. You know, um, you know they want you to sell your gear and cut your hair and turn down and play low. I, I love it, man. I love the attitude. It's it's almost like a rap song. You know what I mean? It's kind of like rapping in, in the verses. It's fun. You know, Thor is great. Eric's voice on Mountains 
is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Sign of the Hammer. Uh, I think with you know the albums after Ross the Boss is gone, it is kind of sad because you can tell just just something about there's a different vibe there. You know what I mean? And it's really yeah. cool. It really makes the sound. And man, yeah. probably my favorite Manowar song of all time is on this album, Guyana. Cult of the Dan, man, about Reverend Jim, and, and, you know, giving yep. the people the Kool Aid and they they die from the poison in it. It's such a cool song, man. And I feel like for me, that song, that's Joey and Eric with that crazy bass stuff that's in the beginning, and then Eric's yeah, yeah. soaring vocals on the chorus, man. I freaking love Guyana Cult of the Dan, and I'll leave it there. Wow, and the songs on this album, a lot of this songs. I pick for Long Clock Nation on a Friday and we drop a, some type of like rah uh, rah razor punk kind of music. Yeah. I pick a lot of these songs when I do my Long Clock Nation choices on a Friday, which I'm sure I tag doing some yeah. of them. Hi, Michael. Oh, hell yeah. I'm sure I have. All, All right, right Mike, so you're for my number five? Ready. It's the 1992 release, The Triumph of Steel. Nice. Now, before I talk about this, Mike, let me ask you, with all the Man of War releases, did you buy them within the first few weeks they dropped? Only after the, only after Fighting the World. Let's say Fighting the World, I got in 88, and then every other album I bought exactly right when they came out. Okay. So, the first, what is it, the first six albums, I think this is the, the seventh album overall, I bought, well, except for the first two, because, like I said, I learned about them in high school. I bought them as they dropped. This one took me 10 years after it came out to buy, and I'll tell you why. I was worried about an opening track from a metal band being 28 minutes. (laughs) Skip. Now, like you said, Mike, (laughs) they weren't played on radio. Even college radio wasn't going to waste 28 minutes. And all I kept thinking was, oh, are they trying to be proggy now? Are they trying to be like a rush? Like, what are we doing with 28 minutes? So 10 years later, it might even have been longer, Mike. It might even been 15 years later. I think I found it on Amazon for a few bucks. And I said, all right, well, if it sucks, I didn't break the bank on it. Let's get it. Again, this album... 69 minutes, a little too long. Yep. I think the opening track, if you shaved off 10 or 12 minutes, could have been an epic metal masterpiece. Yep. And I do like this album. I know it sounds like I'm knocking it. I'm really not. I think every song on this album, and I, and I like all eight songs, Mike, I really do. What keeps me from putting it in the top three or even a two is that every song is a little too long for me. Yeah. Every song could be shaved in my opinion by at least other than that the title track which should be shaved by 12 minutes could be shaved by a minute and a half yep and this album will be so much better again i, I have to give you some some lyrics because that's the way it's man of war who can who cannot love heavy metal or no metal at all that's like incredible wanted to show off it, Wimson poses leave the hall you know <laughs> it's probably dude it's probably their best it's probably their best song i love it <laughs> yeah you know so even though, like I said, Mike, I do like every song on here. I never skip it. I even go into, like, Master of the Wind with older ears as I got oh, older. But I song. still think every song, 
could be shaved down to a shorter. Did it need to be 69 minutes? It's a little, I don't know what you want. I don't know if a boast is the right word. I'm not the most smartest guy in the world. But if they shaved some of this stuff down, this would have been a great album. Could have been a top two. That's it on that one for me, Mike. On my number five. All right, number five, man. This is where I put into Glory Ride, and I, I like I like it a little more than you do. I, I think it's cool, man. It has a cool sound. Like I said, the production's not caught up with them yet. I feel like that happens once they get on Atlantic Records. But there's something about it. Like sometimes metal can sound kind of shitty, but still good. You know what I mean? Like this something about this. I think the production is pretty. It's cool and it works. You know, Warlord is a classic, but I think my favorite song is Secret of Steel. I know you like this one, too. I know you've you've put that out there. Oh, yeah, I do. Don't get me wrong, Mike. I like, I like the first five tracks, as yeah. I said. It's just I, I, a little too Sabbath-y for me, if I could say that. I know yeah. how you say it. Like you said, that dooming. I wanted something a little more upbeat, a little more faster pace, especially coming off of Shell Shock and Metal yeah. Days. And- yeah. Man of War, you know, for me, that that's just me, Mike. No, I'm with you, but yeah, I like I said, the Secret of Steel, man, is so cool. The imagery and atop the mountains where the river of steel flows, <laughs> like just all that stuff. It's that's when they were writing some really interesting tunes, you know. Uh, Gloves of Metal is a great song. I do love vocally what he does in um, Valhalla. But yeah, I can see where you're going with some of this stuff, hatred and whatnot. But March for Revenge, man, that's a pretty cool uh, classic ending. And it's the first with Scott Columbus. And I do love Scott Columbus. I think he was a great drummer and rest in peace yeah. to Scott. There's a lot of things that kind of surround him um, that are kind of not clear. You know, when it when you talk about Manowar, especially like when he left for the first time, they, they went mm-hmm. out there and they said that his son was sick with leukemia and that's why he was leaving the band. And there's an interview out there. If you search it, you can see this. That was not true. I don't know what was going on, but he even says that. Mm-hmm. That's just a story that they made up about him. And if you read comments, and I'm not trying to start a rumor about the guy, but the guy can committed suicide is what it sounds like based on a lot of comments that you read on facebook and on on, on uh, youtube and that's another thing yeah. that man of wars never addressed and I, i'm not saying that because i want to drudge up crap about him i think it's sad you know that of the state yeah. of the world you know there was a guy that uh was a power ranger that just killed himself you know what i mean so it's just it, it, it's a Sorry sad that, yes. yeah yeah and it's a sad thing, man, because there's these people with all this life in them and all this talent. If you listen to all the drumming, it's real. He he was a talent. And it's really sad that you know that's a, something that like that happens to somebody. But yeah, man, I, I love I love Scott Columbus. All right, good. Now, my number four, Mike. For me, this, this, this is the album that came out in 1987, Fighting the World, Yeah, which kind of, in my opinion, again, maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree, kind of started, if you want to, that commercial success. This is where, like, the specialty shows on MTV, like Headbangers Ball, yep. and, you know, where you voted in for your top five metal videos, this is where you started now hearing Blow Your Speakers. Yep. You know, you started to, to, to hear this song on MTV. And as corny as 
blow your speakers is and how corny um blow your speakers and even fight in the world but they're your typical man of yeah. war songs Ariane is such this great oh. anthem they got Austin Wells back to do Defender I, again another another good album Mike nine songs again if you take off the two little fluff pieces <laughs> yes. and drums of Doom and Master of Revenge and I know they're leading into epic songs Again, this again, if it was seven songs, I would have thought where to put it. Should it go right. three? Should it go two? Should it even go one? I really do like this album. I know some people labor as a little commercial, a little cheesy, but I love this album, and that's where it finishes uh, for me. Number four, Fighting the World. My number four is Man of War, Fighting the World. Yes! So, uh, <laughs> well, hey, man, I had to put this kind of high because this was like my first Man of War album. So this was and this is a great place to start because sonically, it's amazing. It's basically, uh, according to the guys in the band, I don't think this is accurate, but they say it's the first metal album that was recorded all in digital. But I think if you look back, I think it's Judas Priest Turbo or something. So who knows? But whatever. It's Man of War. Of course, they're going to you know toot their own horn. But, um, yeah. you know... <sighs> It is great. And, you know, it's funny you say commercial because, like, Manowar never had a hit. So, so it's like, if they were trying to be commercial, it didn't work. But, you know, in their defense, what um, what probably went wrong here, at least at this point, is there was not a lot of um, – they didn't pick the right singles. Carry On definitely should have been a single and a video. And I think MTV mm. might have embraced it. But when you release a song that's kind of bitching about MTV with Blow Your Speakers, it's kind of counterproductive, right? But Man of War right. was never going to play the... You know, let, let, let's, just, let's just put this out there. Man of War was never going to play by the rules. Man of War was always going to go against the grain. Maybe if Man of War in that video didn't have chaps with leather pants, uh, you know, cut out chaps and no shirts on, you know, maybe if they played the game and wore the Cracker Jack clothes like they sing about, you know, maybe they would have made it, you know, but they were always going to be uncompromising and do whatever the hell they want, man. So, but yeah, you, when you touched on all the good songs. I don't have much to say. I love Violence and Bloodshed. I love the, the oh. yeah. I love the lyrical concept. How it's kind of like Rambo. They're gonna go back to Nam and they're gonna straighten stuff out and Defender. And of course, it um it ends with Black Wind, Fire and Steel, one of their greatest tunes. And let me tell a quick Manowar story. Okay, so this would be really tiny, tiny short. So once again, I live not too far from these guys. So. I know people that live in Auburn, New York. So I have sent different messages to people. Say, hey, do you know about these guys in, in Manowar? They, you never cross paths with them. So I knew somebody that said they used to work at Ponderosa. Ponderosa, Ponderosa. <laughs> the buffet. I don't know if you ever had Ponderosa in, uh, in, in Jersey. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, so they said that Manowar used to come in late at night after they got done practicing or in the studio, and they used to come in and just kind of like eat them out of uh, house and home over at the Ponderosa buffet. So I thought that was pretty funny. So I had to throw that out there. Mike, how about that thirty-second scream in Black Wind Fire and Steel? Oh yeah, it's crazy, man. He's now, he's the man. He is the man. Yeah. No. Mike, I just want to you know, backtrack a second. When I say commercial, like I didn't mean like commercial in the sense that, you know, uh, Top 40 was playing them, but the fact that MTV no longer could ignore them and they had to put blow your speakers on, even though they're being knocked, there was nothing. It just shows you at some point this band 
had enough backing and enough fans liking them, and the sales were probably good enough for this album. And MTV said, you know what? Let, let's see where it goes. Let's start playing the video. Yeah. I don't think there was another Man of War video after that, at least not no. I remember other than blow your speakers, but I could be wrong, you know? Do you no. remember another video MTV ran after besides blow your speakers? No, and, and as we get... No, no, and I totally know what you mean. I, I was just busting chops, you know, about like them being commercial because, like I said, it did, if, if they were, it didn't work. But no, you're right. They they were they were kind of going for it as as much as they could. You know what I mean? You could tell like they were they were trying to write a few things that might be accessible by the average you know for the average metal fan. But no, yeah. this was the only video of the eighties. Um, well, no, I think they had they had a couple like gloves of. They, okay, so it's very sparing the videos. I think they had a video for gloves of metal. They had a video for Blow okay. Your Speakers. They had a video for Metal Warriors. And okay, maybe wow. they did a couple things for, um, you know, since then. You know, the later albums, once again, those were probably all hitting YouTube and stuff. So it's really spotty, their videos, real spotty. All right. See, I didn't know that, Mike. I've never seen the the the, 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 the first two, the other two videos that you named. So mm-hmm. I only saw Kings of Metal. So that's why I asked if they did anything else. And then again, after a while... In, in my neck of the woods, WSOU was a local college radio station, Student Hall, uh, Pirate Radio. Once Brilliant Speakers kind of blew up on MTV, in a sense, I noticed they were even playing more Manowar, and they were even going back to the earlier stuff. Nice. And, you know, really pumping it up, too. So, But, uh, yeah, that, that's the only reason what I meant by commercial. But I, I maybe commercial was the wrong word. But anyway, yeah, that was all. We both had them at number four, correct? That's right, buddy. What do you got for three? My number three now. This does happen to be the band's best-selling album. What I was told. And that's the 1988 uh, classic, Kings of Metal. This yeah. is the band's six weeks. To me, it kicks off where Fighting the World ends. Nine tracks. One bonus track, you know. But by now, in, in 88, this band is, to the fans or the people in metal, this band is now legendary, right? They, the Guinness Book of Wet Records for the, yep. for the loudest band live. They broke that record two times over. You know, like now this band is starting to gain some momentum, in my opinion, in 88. And Kings of Metal, for me, is, you know, e- even with, with the... The, the song you probably couldn't play anymore or people will get offended. The, the bonus track, Pleasure Place, <laughs> I live up about this album. As, as corny as it may sound, you know, th- this album is number three for me. Kings of Metal, the 1988 release. Uh, yeah, man, I, 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 can't, I can't fault you for that one. Uh, number three... Is where I've got Triumph of Steel, which I'm totally shocked because I've always been such a big promoter of Triumph of Steel and love Triumph of Steel. But I think, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't put it over Kings of Metal, man. It, it's just it it doesn't stack up as well. But it, it is a great album. Uh, when you mentioned the the first song, okay, so let, let, let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. So I bought this right when it came out, and I'm deep into Manowar now. They're one of my favorite bands at this point, and. As I'm progressing and I'm getting into heavier stuff, I'm you know I'm branching out and listening to Megadeth and Pantera, and I think like Manowar kind of came out with one of their heaviest 
during this kind of thrash boom, which was pretty smart. You know what I mean? The 30-minute song is a skip for me. I don't ever listen to it. I probably only know a couple parts. It's a lot of, you know, musical jack-off type stuff. You know, bass solo, drum solo, guitar. You know, like, it's nonsense, dude. So, to me, this was their... They put the fluff right at the beginning. Skip it. Uh, we get right into the one of their best tracks, Metal Warriors. Wimps and Posers, huh? Leave the Hall. Now, what is it about wimps that we like so little, just exactly? Well, they're fake. You know, they have fake equipment on stage. They have a fake lifestyle. You know, they, they shove fruit and things down their pants. Everything about them is fake. I mean, they live a fake world. And Man of War is the real thing in every respect. And we just want to deliver true metal to the true metal people. Love that song. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it's something that only Eric Adams could do. If this was sung by anybody else, I don't know if it would be believable. I love Spirit mm-hmm. Horse of the Cherokee. I think the yeah. vocals are great. The song is great. But once again, it's got a really long intro that's completely unnecessary. So I always fast, I always have to fast forward the intro. I love the drums. And, and I'm going to get into Rhino a little bit because I think... I think this is my favorite Manowar drum album. I love his double bass, and I love how he accents the song. You know, like, especially the end of this song. He's doing all this crazy stuff, but he not, he always comes back, and he and he hits all the accents that are needed for the song. Like, I love, I was so glad that I got to talk to him a little bit about this album when he was on the podcast, because okay. I love the drums that he does. As cool as I thought Scott Columbus was, I think Rhino... There's something about the drum sound and the drum, you know, the the stuff, the the performance that he actually puts on. But the songs are cool, man. Ride the Dragon, Power of Thy Sword, and, you know, Master of the Wind is like, you know, that's like Man of War's um, Silent Lucidity. I've always kind of considered it that. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that could have ever been a hit for them because I think in 92... All chances for Manoa were probably over, but um, yeah. I dig these guys. I dig Shankle and I dig Rhino. It's sad that they only did one album, and I think it the, it's the perfect time to tell another quick Manoa story. Okay, so let's go to yeah. Go ahead. I just wanted to ask you, like you had it at three, right? Yeah. But let's say, let's say with what I put in, like maybe like now, if you go back and listen to the, this again. What would you think, like I said, if, if that opening track was 10, 12 minutes shorter where they get rid of all that fluff, that you don't think could be an epic Man of War track that could, like, lift it in infamy? Like, you get rid of that, and like you said, you, another song you named, it has a long intro. I think that's what killed this yeah. album. Some of these mm-hmm. are just a little too long. If they would have just cut this down... This might have been a top three for me as well. I think yeah. the songs are great. I just think they're a little too long for me. But anyway, so I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine, man. Maybe. I'd have to hear it. But for me, that song lacks any structure. So, like, for me, for a song to really catch my ears, there would have to be a chorus and stuff that repeats. And I, 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 I could be wrong. There could be somebody yelling at this and saying, you're wrong. But I feel like it's all just a bunch of little parts pieced together, and there's not a lot of repetition. So if they could make it, Greg, into, like, something that was more like a song, I would, I'd be open to hear it. I'd probably be a lot be a lot better than what they have there but yeah you know like i like epic tracks that we'll talk about as we go something like dark avenger 
I think that's one of their most epic tracks ever, and I don't want to steal the thunder of talking about battle hymns, but if they could do something like Dark Avenger with all that hodgepodge of crap that's in that half-hour block, then I, I'm interested. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I'd have, I'd have to oh. hear it. So. Okay. So, quick Man of War story. Being a local guy. Oh. in Okay, so this is probably 1990, okay? I'm walking around the New York State Fair, and I see... Uh, an older woman with a Man of War shirt on. I, I think it was a, a Kings of Metal shirt. And she's pushing around an, an, an elderly woman in a wheelchair. So finally, I think they stopped somewhere. And I always wanted a Man of War shirt. Because once again, I was a big fan and I could never get the material. So I stop over and I talk to these two ladies. And I said, excuse me. I said, you know, I don't mean to bother you. But I said, I've always wanted a Man of War shirt. Could you tell me how I could get one? Now, deep down in my mind, I'm thinking, this has got to be relatives of the band. It has to be, right? So she's like, oh, Joey's my son. And I was like, wow, no shit, you know. So she's like, honey. Let me take your address and we'll we'll get it so you can get a shirt from the fan club and all that stuff. So I'm like, oh, cool. So Holy that crazy. All right. So fast forward. I mean, dude, it took months and months, right? So finally, I get this letter in the mail. Now, Greg, I, I want to kick myself because I lost the letter. Okay, but the oh. letter was just like all this insane. Like you know, when you think of like Man of War's song, lyrics can be just crazy and insane. Uh -huh. This letter is just insane. Like it's saying that like we're gonna play metal so loud, we're gonna melt your effing face off. You should play your our music so loud that your neighbors want to kill you. I mean, dude, this is all the letter says, right? <laughs> and it's just the uh -huh. most insane shit. I wish I still had this letter. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even recall there being an order form to order a shirt. But it was so cool that I, they, that letter did come. It had a picture of the band, and it said all this crazy stuff about melting my skull, melting my neighbor's skull. And it was only could Manowar send you a letter like that. So that's my little yeah. Manowar story. Oh, that is awesome. Wow, <laughs> that is a great story. Wow. Oh, man. Number two. Guyana. My number two is Sign of the Hammer. Ooh, you got that high. Yeah. Yeah. The second release that came out in 1984, eight or nine months after Hail to England. Like I said earlier, I said a lot of these songs we play on Long Clock Nation when we tag people. This seems to be a lot of what the fans like with this album. Uh, I think the first six tracks are excellent. I'm not, a, again, I'm not, and don't get me wrong, Mike, as good as all the, the instrumentals are, Thunderpick and all these, yeah. I'm just not an instrumental guy. I know yeah. a lot of fans, I love all, like even other people when they do their instrumentals. I'm not an instrumentals guy, so Thunderpick loses it for me. I'm not as high as um, track eight as you are, but again, these first six tracks are classic. I put them on and I just sit there and I, I, I love everything about it. So my number two is the 1984 release, Sign of the Hammer. You know, it's funny when you say, I don't like instrumentals either. So most of the Man of War ones I don't care for. And you know what? The, it's yeah. a hard part to be an Ingve fan because I love Ingve, but I hate his instrumentals. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I think that's probably why I'm not the biggest of Ingve fans because he puts, what, at least three or four yeah. instrumentals on it. Album, and they're all five minutes long sometimes. So, yeah. All right, man. Number two. Grandfather, tell me a story. Oh, all right. Go and get your storybook. 
Kings of Metal. And uh, I thought that this was always in my mind for the longest time. I always thought I had this behind the Triumph of Steel. But when I went and listened to it, I was like, oh, no way, man. This this is pretty much like one of their shining moments, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. right on. It's a, it's, a, it's a step up from fighting the world. Sonically, it's still great. Wheels of Fire, man, is such a cool, fast song where, you know, he's he's panning the vocals from ear to ear, you know, the lines. Kings of Metal is a blast, you know. Other bands play, Man of War Kill. Heart of Steel is so huge. Now, this is, okay, no videos for this album. Big fail. I think a good video is a good video. It's just that, you know, the crap with the sunglasses around the swimming pool and all of a sudden a couple girls happen to dance by and, you know, that type of stupidity is really a poor reflection, you know, of the medium. But, you know, videos can be great and we will do a great video when we do one. That's why we really haven't done one recently. We just wanted the quality to be there. Uh, Ross the Boss is kicked out after this album is um, released. If you listen to any interview, not even the ones that I've done, Ross says that was Man of War's biggest mistake. Maybe so. But um, I think a big mistake, though, is to not have videos and singles for Heart of Steel and Kingdom Come. If Man of War was going to break, Greg, even remotely, I'm not saying they could ever become a big band based on how against the grain they are, this would have been the album. Don't you think so? Yeah, Mike, and, and, and you saying that, it leads up to what I said to you when I picked it. It was their best-selling album. Yeah. So can you imagine if they released two videos or, or some sort of a single to college radio to get more buzz? Yeah. This could have put them in mind and make them even bigger, you know, but it wasn't in the cards. I, I don't know what they were thinking. I guess sometimes you could be a little too stubborn and stick into your game plan, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. Now, I usually, like I said, don't like instrumentals, but Sting of the Bumblebee is pretty cool, man. I'm not going to lie. That It's a familiar uh, you know, classical piece that you pro- we've all heard, so a metalized version is pretty cool. Pleasure Slave makes me laugh. Like I said, totally not a song that a band would put out <laughs> in 2022. And probably, oh, what's not, once again, I just couldn't stop every song, Hail and Kill, the Warrior's Prayer. I usually don't like stuff like that. But man, Grandfather, who were they? <laughs> they were the Metal Kings. I mean, it's so good, man. It's The visuals are all there when you listen to that. And then when it kicks into uh, Blood of the Kings, one of their coolest songs where they mention all their albums and mention tracks from their albums, man. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it is. It's it's always got to be either number one or two. It ends up being two for me, so. Very nice. Yeah, like, like I said, you, you can't, it, can't go wrong with any of the, the first six releases, going one through five or one through six, whichever one. Anyway, my last one. I wish I could have some music playing in the background. <laughs> my number one is Battle Hymns. Yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. Other than William's Tale, again, it's an instrumental, but it leads nicely into Battle Hymns. This is a gem. This is is no skip. This is gets more play than anything from Manowar from me. I still love it. I mean, you got you got the classic line in Manowar. If anyone says to you, "How do you describe Manowar? How do you explain Manowar?" and I say. Give me a pair of jeans and a rip that's mean and girls that love to share. <laughs> that is man of war. Yep, yep. That is man of war. 
And that was the lyrics they wrote in 1982 for Metal Days. I can't leave here without touting my all-time classic Manowar song. I know you've seen a lot of my, my Manowar posts. I always quote it. Manowar, the song Manowar, is my number one all-time song. I just love that opening. We met off the English ground in the backstage room. We heard the sound, and we all knew what we had to do. Yep. Perfect. Love it. Love everything about this album. I don't have a bad word to say about it. I could even live with William's tale, but this mic, to me, is gold. I love it. Number me one too, for man. me. Man of Battle in 1982. And also, of course, it's my number one. I'm so glad that we synced up at the end. Awesome. Awesome. So, let me talk about what I like about it. Probably all the same things that you like about it, but I like this one. Like I said, I once again, I dig... Manowar tries this structure a lot, and it works. I love when they do like these kind of just straight-up metal rock, hard rock type songs like, you know, Death Tone and Metal Days. Uh, and then you've got your song about a real world war, you know, like talking about coming back from Nam and being all screwed up with shell shock. Love it. Love it. Um, then of course, man of war, I'm with you. Probably man of war is the band that really, and really push that song, like songs about themselves, right? Not a lot. A lot of bands were always singing about other things, but Manowar would definitely reflect and, and sing a song about themselves. I dig William mm-hmm. T- William's Tale, man. I hey, I wanted to be Joey DeMaio back in the day. I I played bass in a heavy metal band, and I was always trying to play as fast as I could because he was a huge influence of mine. Uh, I loved. I've already mentioned it, and I'll, I'll mention it again. I love Dark Avenger. I think the story is so cool about this guy. They come and they kill him and they take his land. But somehow he goes to hell and he comes back and he he trashes them all, man. It's like if you could, like you talked about an epic track. If you could do something on Triumph of Steel like this, I'm totally uh-huh. in, man. You got Orson kind of tying it all together in the middle, telling what happens, how he's he's given the the black steed to come back on, you know, his horse, Black Death, you know. Uh, it's so cool. And then we end with the epic Battle Hymn. It's such a great song. And I love when uh, Eric Adams, once again, he shows these different um, textures to his voice. To the battle we ride, we Sounds like Frankie Valley or something. He sounds so soft. And then he just belts out this sick-ass scream. You know what I mean? So, man, you just... The only thing with that album, you know, you got to give it its due. It was was released in 82. Um, It's not sonically on par with, like, Kings of Metal. and, And they've tried to revamp it and try to remaster it. But the the, the biggest blasphemy in Manowar's career is them re-recording this. No, man. Don't mess with brilliance. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Mike, how about a fledgling band on their first release getting Austin Wells to narrate? Yeah. I don't know how they pulled that one off, man. Yeah, like they must have knew someone or someone knew someone who knew Austin Wells. How did the band do that on their first release? I have no idea. Maybe he was broke at that point. (laughs) Who the hell knows? (laughs) You know, but just that alone, you know? And then to have him reappear again on Defender. Yeah. You know, and him and Joey kind of doing like that duet, uh, singing in a round style. And yep. Joey sing his heart out. And Orson Welles just with that deep voice underlining what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, just incredible, incredible. Yep. And yeah, 
Awesome, awesome. So glad you invited me to do this. Oh, man, awesome. Yeah, awesome. this is fun. It's hard, man, because like I said, there's a lot of the people we interact with. They, You know, like I've got a lot of people that love like Motley Crue and and kiss and all that stuff but they don't they're not super into manowar and like i said i'm i'm deep man as you can tell me and you were right on par we i love this stuff and i've been following these guys forever and i've been trying to talk to the members to figure out the backstory and i love me i and once again i know i've talked some shit here and there about different career choices they've made but i would love to someday talk and meet to joey and eric because they I I love those guys. I'm I'm in awe of them. They're super talented people. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And and you know, you know, Mike, this is one of those bands I wish I went to see live. Yes. I never got to see them live. Let me tell well, so. I, you. Thank you for saying that. There's one more quick Man of War story. So, okay. <laughs> so after the Triumph of Steel, I want to say it's like 93, they're doing um, the Secret of Steel home video box set. I don't know if you remember this. So this came out and they were doing some shows and they played the Lost Horizon in Syracuse, New York. So what happened okay. on this night, I'm all set, scheduled to go. And there was the most ridiculous snowstorm, man. Like, like it was treacherous. Roads were closed. But me and some wow. buddies were Manowar freaks. We get to the show. Now, there's barely anybody there. And I'm sure it would have been packed because it was a small club and it's Manowar. But yeah. the weather was just crazy. So being the true champs that they are, they actually did play. But they it was weird, Greg. They didn't doll up in their chaps and all that stuff. They wore just like jeans and t-shirts and stuff, which was cool. So I got to see Manowar like in a really unique, uh, you know, kind of a atmosphere. And a couple wow. of notable things. So there was barely anybody there, but Joey, when he did his bass solo, he still broke the strings and ripped him off. So I was like, wow, he's actually doing that thing with nobody here. And they played the coolest melody or medley, that's what I want to say. And if you look online, you can find the medley. They they did this, you know, on their tours in other countries and stuff. But they played, I want to say they played uh, Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. They played okay. We Are the Champions by Queen. Highway Star. Now, I could be mistaken with some of the tracks of that I'm saying, but that was what they did. They did a medley of, like, 70s stuff, and it was so, so good, man. Especially hearing Eric Adams do We Are the Champions. Yeah. Wow. It was good. So I encourage everybody. I'll even put a link in this this YouTube video of how to find it. But, yeah, listen to the medley where they do those classic 70s songs. That gives you a vibe to show you – how versatile Adams is and like how he could do, you know, different things and how cool he would sound on like a rock album. So that's all I got for Manowar, man. I'm all, I'm all Manowar out. <laughs> I, I also think they did two years worth of touring behind this record. If I remember yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. They were always touring. <laughs> they, a lot of times, if you go back, you look on YouTube, you'll see Manowar in Athens, 1995, but they, um, the, the Triumphal Steel came out in 92, so they just constantly were touring. Mm. The thing is, Mike, like you said, like when they dropped Battle Hymns in 82, we were getting a stretch of an album every year, every other year yep. up until 98. And then it was like either 
trouble with the band. I couldn't keep members. I, you know, all the, I wish they'd do like a behind the music with them because then yeah. after 88, you didn't get anything till 92. Then after 92, you didn't get anything till 96. Then 96, it was like they disappeared, came back in 2002. Yep. Then nothing took out. So maybe you're right. Maybe they were running out of ideas and who knows? They couldn't keep it up. They weren't as popular here in the States, maybe it frustrated them that in their in their, in their their own country they weren't as popular or like the, the new metal that was happening and the grunge that was happening. Disenchanted them, I don't know, but for a time from like 82 to 88, it was like almost yearly, and then this long stretch of waiting and yep. waiting for a... But yeah, that, again, like that's it on my part. Awesome. I, like you said, we could talk about them all night. Yeah. I just wish I would have saw... I would have more stories and yeah. more. Yeah, either way, I'm still a big fan and I still listen to them. You know, I'd love to hear the stories of why were they on a different record label on every album. So was it because of poor sales? Were they hard to work with? But you look at the first <laughs> albums on Capitol, EMI, second albums yep. on Megaforce, Music for Nations, then they're on Virgin, then they finally get to Atlantic. They're all over the board with their labels. So I, I, I would be curious to see where they drop because of poor sales or were they just pains in the ass? I don't know. Yeah, you, you know what, Mike, it has to probably come down to stubbornness where, you know, you get on an Atlantic or you get on Attico, which I think is a, is a like a subsidized of one of these other big, like, they want hit records, they yep. want MTV friendly records, and this band wasn't doing it, it was their way or the highway, and if you didn't want to do what they said, they didn't give a shit about yep. million dollar, millions of records and big houses and whatever, they were doing it their way, and that's probably the reason Eight different labels on eleven different studio albums. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. You got it, man. They never compromise, and and that's why we love them. But Greg, yeah. thanks so much, man. This was fun. This was great. Love talking oh. about Manowar. Anytime. Thank you, Mike. Thank you again for inviting me and having me on. Thank you. You'd be able to really find some cool interview clips and sound clips, and I can make this thing okay. really cool. Because uh, because I'm so passionate about the band, I will do that. So. All right. Cool. And then. You let me know a day or two before it drops, and I'll start promoting it to the metal community on, on Twitter and, yeah. and uh, Instagram. So. All right, brother. Hey, you and your family have a good Thanksgiving, man. You as well. You as well. Thank you. You as well. All right. Talk to you later, Greg. All right, Mike. Bye. Well, I guess it's time for all of us to leave the hall, but it was a blast talking all this Man of War stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Rock on!